seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, friends, to episode 212 of Color of Magic and Magic Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Taquan Watson, and for 212 episodes, still have my main man, hopefully not getting frozen out yet in Texas. How's it going, Brian Allen? <laughs> it's, it's cold right now, but apparently by Friday, it's going to be 80 again, because Texas. <laughs> so. Yeah. We've been up up here in the Northwest. It's been all right. Like we've gotten, we had one night that was around freezing, like 34, 35 degrees or so. And the rest, like during the day, you're in the like 45 to 50. So yeah. it's not, it's not terrible. We're, we're all right so far. But I, and, I worry uh, about y'all, man. And the Rangers are one game away. I mean, technically could be the champions by the time y'all hear this. So. Yeah, isn't that something? See, and you thought I was going to be jinxing them to even get to the series. <laughs> well, I, it, it's just crazy because, you know, they just, you know, I, I'm still not sure they had necessarily the best slide up. It's just every time they need a two or three run homer, they get one. It's just wild. Right. Tell me, tell me you didn't pucker up at that butt whooping they got in that second game, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you figure the Diamondbacks are going to show up. I didn't expect them to sweep or anything. I mean, I, at first, I thought it was going seven. Now it's not looking that way. But yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks, you know, they've they, they beaten everybody. They just, you know, they weren't supposed to beat the Dodgers. They, everybody they've played, they've been the underdog, and then they just take out the woman sticks. That had me very nervous because again, everyone said, "Oh, the Rangers got this." There's no way the Rangers lose. Like, wait, are you, y'all been watching the same? Because before they got into the playoffs, they lost. I think what it's like eight or nine in a row and looked left you know for what, dead. Though? That's why we always say in every competitive thing, whether you're talking about baseball, football, magic tournaments, video games, like you just got to get to the playoff rounds. Yeah. Like all bets are off when you get to the playoff rounds because anything can have random injury. You know, your team gets hot at the right time. Like you just never know. You just never know. You, and I've done that even in tournaments where you barely make it in the top eight and you manage to win the tournament, you know? Just you had bad pairing, some bad luck earlier in the season. Hell, the Lakers last year started what two and twenty or two and fifteen, whatever the ridiculous record was, and then ended up almost making a championship level run. So right. th- things happen, man. Things happen. Before we get into everything, though, let me tell you about our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. Go pay them some love over there. They're good people. They're supporting a lot of great creators. And they're supporting the show. And you can even save money on their website by using code DRAGON at checkout. You'll save 5% and you can get all types of stuff there, not just magic stuff. You can get all types of gaming things. And remember to use code DRAGON. It'll save you 5%. And they always have cool stuff in stock. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can actually get a shout out. Just like somebody who just goes by Glorgoo, which sounds like an X-Men villain, which is awesome. But, uh, you know, thanks for being a sponsor. Just the same, even if you are a supervillain. Supervillains need entertainment, too. <laughs> and you go to Color Magic or ColorBMTG.com slash shop to get some merchandise and support us directly. But that brings us to the soapbox, because we have a few different things I think we're going to talk about today. This first one kind of comes down to... I don't know the best way to describe it. Maybe people not understanding how to have simple discussions anymore. People not knowing how to just uh, 
have fun pie in the sky. Like, you know, you sit around with your friends and go like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then just you say something ridiculous and you kind of speculate on how you can make it happen or what it would even look like or whatever. People don't seem to be able to do that anymore. Like as an example, and I'm going to use myself again, because I like using myself where I can for stuff. But I put up a post that I'm trying to remember how I worded it, but basically, could we make an ability that could make a creature not be able to be exiled? Now, there's a bunch of ways you can implement this, obviously, right? It could be a counter. It could be certain wording that only certain things can exile it. Maybe you can't put other stuff on it, so it's not ridiculous, whatever. You leave that up to R&D to figure out. But just conceptually, and basically saying, like, right now we're in a world where having hexproof or indestructible doesn't really do much. So could we make a thing that now people have to diversify their removal options because you can't exile it, just exile something outright, right? And people came out, well, what if this happened? Well, what in Commander? Somebody might put this thing on it. So I'm like, yeah, sure, they might. Like, great. Then you just kill the thing they put on it, right? Like, well, what if? And it's like, R&D will figure that out. That's not my job. <laughs> right? Like, I'm saying, do we feel that this is enough of a problem that we even want to have this discussion? And then let's speculate on what it could look like and different ways it could be approached or whatever. But I also realize this is something I see in a lot of other conversations as well, where especially around social issues where somebody might say, hey, what if we built, I don't know, a, um, what if we built a tiny home village to help the homeless people or whatever? Immediately, well, then we'd have to have this. There's got to be this zoning law. And there's like, yeah, yeah, we know there's got to be all that. But like, is this a reasonable solution? And what would that need to look like? Let's have that conversation, right? Instead of talking about all the reasons we can't do a thing, let's sometimes talk about how we can do a positive thing. And then we can work out the specifics on why certain things may not be feasible. Right. I, I think that to me would make more sense and be much more productive conversations. But I also realize some of this comes down to how people treat information for themselves. Right. So many people immediately look at all the negatives to talk themselves out of things more than taking the opportunity to try a thing. And after a while, that kind of becomes the thinking you apply to a lot of different stuff. And I think that's one of the things that just holds people back in life. Like I And I know, I tell people all the time, I'm an opportunist. I mean, hell, I sold a business to go work for Wizards for a while, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely willing to take a chance and try something new. But there's a lot of people who would never have taken that step because it's like, well, this is the safe thing, and here's all the things that could go wrong with the other thing. It's like, yeah, but there's also a lot of positives. And don't get me wrong, you should look at the negatives so you're not running into something blind. But let's still explore how we can make that a the good side, a realistic possibility, as opposed to just like, how many kids get told no? Remember, even growing up, our parents just told us not to do certain things, or this is just going to be a waste of time or whatever, and never even considered a world where we're in right now, where we could be paid for playing video games. And in fairness, how could they have conceived of such a world? Oh, sure, it sure. Is... But how many kids get shut? Hell, we've seen all the social media posts where like, kids are trying to program something and the parents are like, well, you should be spending more time learning about this. And it's like, but they might turn out to be the next awesome IT developer, whatever, right? <laughs> like, we got to explore different things sometimes. But it was sad to see, and I didn't take it personally, because I understand it's just people being people. But how many people just immediately go, ah, we can't do that because of this. And I was like, but we can, though. And I'd come up with a reasonable, quick little argument 
And it was like, well, yeah, but I still don't like it. It was like, well, okay, cool. You can not like a thing. That's fine. <laughs> like, but to immediately just say it's impossible or we can't do it because you don't like it. Like, there's a bunch of things I don't like, but I know they're still feasible and probably do help some people. So like, yeah, go ahead and do it. Not everything has to be for me. But I just found it a very interesting thing that how quick people are to... Actually, let me say this too. I don't think it's just that. I do think we've also reached a point with, especially social media, where people have to always try to prove their worth, right? Like I have to explain myself higher or make this person feel lesser or put my intelligence out there so people know I'm important or I can be part of this conversation. And the truth is there's a lot of times where, hell, I've said it before. I've many times started typing out a response or a tweet and then just delete it and went on about my day. Just went like, you know, this isn't the time for that. Or, eh, you know what? I'll probably save this till I see that person in person or whatever. Like something else. Like, it's just like, we don't always need to have our voice heard. Cause some people posted stuff and it was like, that's not really a problem. Here's why. You know, like we already have an example. You just didn't think about it. And it's like, people also want to just be heard for the sake of being heard. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting how we treat conversation. And it was like, maybe we need to, I well, not maybe, we all need to kind of reevaluate how we treat conversations online these days, truthfully. But that aside, I hear that you have a very weird video game thing that happened this week. Yeah, Disney Dreamlight Valley is a game that's uh, in early access right now. And for most of the time in early access, it has been advertised as a free-to-play game. But uh, past few days, in no way, <laughs> not so fast. It's actually going to be, I think uh, the cheapest version is going to be about 40 bucks, And that version drops in December. So like, wait a second, that's kind of... That's a pretty quick turnaround from free to forty bucks. When you you would hope at some point during early access, which I think it's gone on since sometime last year, I want to say it's just bizarre. And of course, as you might imagine, people are really upset about that because we are almost days away from the launch of of the the main game. And oh wait, it's. 40, between 40, I think the 70 bucks now, depending on which version you get. And as we talked about it here, if I enjoy your game, I'll, even though it's free to play, look, I'm going to eventually buy a skin or whatever the currency is or what have you, because I want you to be able to keep making the game. I, of all people, understand even making games is not free. But this just is not the way to do that, especially in times of the economy. Let's be honest, not great. And again, Everybody had access to this with the, the, not the assumption, but the advertisement that when it was ready to play, it would be free. And I'm sure when they bought skins, when they bought currency, that was what it Yeah, let, let me let me help you out since, you know, the game is going to be free. And no, apparently not. So it's people, I think, are in this case rightfully ticked off. And I believe this is Gameloft is uh, the developer. And especially with the Disney license, you figure you would have had some ideas to how much money you are going to make at some point in the past year. Yeah. I don't, I, man, <laughs> that's just so weird. I feel like there's two issues for me. The first is you have a Disney license that sounds like it's just a Disney open world game. 
Basically, like just, this is this is Animal Crossing, but make it Disney, essentially. Yeah. So that alone says people would pay dumb amounts of money to play it. Like, there's just too many Disney fans in the world for that to completely flop. So you didn't ever even have to promote it as being free to begin with, right? Even if it was a nominal, you said it's thirty dollars or whatever. Maybe it's not a full fifty dollar game or whatever. It's forty bucks, and then there's different versions. I guess depending on how much of how many I think moonstones is the currency or whatever you want. Sure, but why not just have it that way initially? Like I don't think anybody would have argued that. We all would have just went, "Oh, it's a Disney yeah. license. Yeah, they yeah. got to make their money." You know, like everybody, everybody that was into that would have been into that because again, I think Animal Crossing I'm sure launched it around probably sixty dollars. So you would have again at the beginning, people I'm sure some people wouldn't, but a large number of people would have happily paid that. Now it just feels icky. You know? the, the other half of the problem I have is at what point did you know this information? Because you couldn't just be shocked. Like Disney wasn't going to be like, yeah, we'll work on it and we'll just take a percentage of whatever per- in-game purchases or whatever. But like Disney, you generally are going to pay either a huge licensing fee up front or most often a percentage of what you make anyway. So it's not like you don't know what the the numbers game are going into it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's just weird. <laughs> like I, I'm genuinely confused how that even happens. It seems yeah. impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, they're They're going to take uh, you know, a huge PR hit in the short term. Now, again, the game from what I've heard, people, people that have played early access seem to be enjoying it again. It's a Disney license. This is going to make it, they're going to give you, even more room <laughs> to, to screw up along the way. But this is, uh, this is a short term. <laughs> You're just taking the L on PR and hopefully you can push through that. I mean, you know, you have a game that's Disney, basically some combination of the Sims and, and animal crossing. So there's going to be an audience, especially if it's good where it'll get around and people will buy it, but it definitely does hurt them in the short term, at least because you're going to have, I'm assuming some number of people that are in your open beta or whatever it is, not buy it just because they feel wronged. Yeah. And I can yeah. completely understand that feeling at this point. And, you know, as we've talked about here more than more than one occasion, free to play games already have kind of a bad reputation where, Hey, we're going to be in your wallet. We're going to be in your click this, do this the energy. There are some of the, you know, it just, they are kind of notorious for figuring out as many ways as possible to reach into your pocket and attempt to pull your wallet out. And this is going to do nothing to, to, you know, to defy any of those stereotypes. Yeah. That's going to be one that's going to be worth following to see how many players they have, I guess both when it goes live later this month. And then when they exit the beta early thing, whatever in early December. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what their numbers are. Because I don't, I don't know what that's going to end up being. And also, you know, stereotypes about uh, games, you know, being in early access and essentially, in some cases, charging you to play test their game for them. Yeah, also weird. But let's talk about a couple other things we learned this week because there's actually a pretty positive thing and a thing we probably have to question. So you get to lead with this one and let's see what you got. All right, uh, Apex Legends, for those of you that don't know, is a battle royal set kind of in the uh, universe of Titanfall. And uh, if you don't know what Titanfall is, that was a, a, a shooter that EA did a while back. It just didn't hit, but they kind of redid everything and said, hey, battle royals are hot right now. We're going to do a battle royal. It actually worked. 
And uh, it's been very, I forget how many years it's been, but it's been very successful so far. They just introduced uh, Conduit, a new legend, who is actually going to be the first Filipino character in the game. And that kind of led me to look like, I wonder how many Filipino characters there are in gaming in general. And it was more than I thought, but still not a huge list. So this is definitely a, definitely a, a great thing. And I've had a chance to play Conduit. She is actually a very fun character, because let's be honest, that's what is going to decide whether the character is successful or not. More than anything, more than anything, we're talking about in terms of diversity. If the character is fun to play and, and and people feel like it's a strong character, people will play the character. That's so. Yeah, I have got. I guess a little, about a day's worth of playtime in. Very fun character. She is a support character, but she's she's not a heal bot. They designed her to be very aggressive. One of her builds actually lets you run faster, provided you're running toward one of your teammates because assuming, yeah, they're probably in trouble. Need some support. Hey, get over there. And it kind of allows you to make, you know, those those highlight real plays that everybody wants to see when you're doing it as the healer, making a high real play or highlight real play, resurrecting somebody, getting your teammate back in the game and hopefully letting the team win. So, Yeah, that's interesting because I, off the top of my head, I think I only know of three Filipino, Filipino-based characters in popular games? Because I think there's two in Tekken. Yeah, that, that actually, yeah, I pulled up the list, and yeah, Tekken, what were, uh, that was definitely one of the big games that was mentioned. There's apparently a game that consists primarily of Filipino characters, but I had never heard of it before I looked it up. I do not know what that game is. Um, I know, I think one of the champions in League of Legends is Filipino base? Uh, Zeri, I think, is the name. Okay, and those yeah, are the ones I can like, think of like, uh, off the top of my head. I don't, I don't know any others. They, they do kind of like magic, where they have, even though it's a fictional world, they have parts of the fictional world that are inspired by actual yeah. real world cultures. So. Yeah, but I think that's it. I don't really know too many more, so that's kind of cool. Definitely, and again, they are. If you talk about, and we talked a little bit about last week about lore and how important it is. And actually, one of the reasons you know people were so looking forward to this character because she is a callback to when it was a when it was a shooter called Titanfall. Because again, just Titanfall one and two, they both got great critical reviews. Fans loved them for whatever reason. They just didn't sell very well, so they were able to take what they had, including the lore and some of the characters and weapons that people loved. And I mean, they, they've done one of the best jobs of pivoting to a completely different format that I've seen anybody do in gaming. Like you, you just talked about, hey, you know, you, you try a thing, maybe the thing you try doesn't work, but you learn from it. And they learned that people really still love the lore of Titanfall. They love the setting. They love the weapons and the characters. So they pivoted to the battle royal genre, which is what is hot right now. And now it's a smash success. Dude, I talked about it before. If Titanfall would have had an offline story mode, I'd have been all in on Titanfall 1. But because that didn't exist in Titanfall 1, I didn't even play Titanfall 2 because I didn't mess want to mess with the knuckleheads online and first-person shooters. Yeah. And the second one did, but by that point, and I'm sure a lot of people had just assumed it wouldn't. And Yeah. So that's cool, though, that that's worked out for them. I'm absolutely glad we're to come I was actually at E3 when they announced Titanfall. And I mean, you, you go there and all the, go to EA's press conference. There was a giant 
basically like life-size mech in the hallway and, and all of us nerds are like, I don't know what that's for. <laughs> I don't know what it's about, <laughs> but I can't wait to find out. Everybody's so going, I, we ain't doing Titanfall 3, right? <laughs> that's what a lot of people were hoping it was, but that and that just looks like it's never happening. But even, even though they didn't do that, this is a nice way to call back to that game and let people know, hey, for, for people that, that played those games, we're still trying to support you. We're still giving you little tidbits of storyline where we can. And that's, you know, like, like we talked about last week, that's if you can figure out how, how to get the lore in there and make it important, that's when the, you can win sometimes. Yeah, that's true. You know, one of the things I realized or found interesting, because Halloween was just yesterday at the time of us recording this, that some people in some neighborhoods are seeing record numbers of kids coming out for them trick-or-treating, and other places have virtually none. Some even across town in the same towns. Not even a correlation between like rich neighborhoods, poor neighborhoods even. So I was trying to dig in and find out. And when I was talking to people, it seems like it's almost this weird cyclical thing of some houses maybe only have like 10 kids come by one year. So then they decide they're not going to get any candy the next year since nobody's coming through trick-or-treating. But then the kids come through and then None of the houses have their lights on, so they don't come to that neighborhood anymore. So then you get fewer houses in that neighborhood that are doing the trick-or-treat thing. And it was just kind of an interesting thing to see that that cycle exists. Because, you know, in a lot of places, it's like, well, if nobody's going to be doing anything at their homes, then we're just going to do the trunk-or-treat thing or whatever. What I discovered is there's not an app for, like, good community activities, right? And now people, some people, when I said, I asked on socials, like, hey, is there an app just to mark that your house is available for trick-or-treating? Because I feel like we have an app for everything else. Like, right. why not? Apparently that doesn't exist. And some people did say, like, you can go into the Nextdoor app and there's a function yeah. for that. But the best I could find is, like, you would have to go and, well, first off, a lot of people don't use Nextdoor for all of its functions. They just it's social media drama time on there for a lot of people. Right. Like I use it just to kind of occasionally know what's going on in the area or, you know, to look for, you know, if somebody announced missing pets or something and I'd see a dog running around, but generally I don't even post on there. So I wouldn't even have known if somebody had marked it, but why can't we just have an app where we just go on and say like, okay, cool. House is available for Halloween, trick or treating, whatever. And then people can just look and go, Oh, there's like six houses in this neighborhood that are on the app and because there'll be some others that don't use the app that'll obviously be participating as well. And then just be a better experience for everybody. Weird that that doesn't exist. Cause I feel like there's an app, like any little thing I can think of. I feel like even if it's a one function app, it exists. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm, I'm not technically savvy enough to make a Halloween app, but if you made it a community app that people could use to mark, like, community yard sales when those are going on or whatever like you could probably make some money on one of these things doing tech journalism i am always amazed like you talk about some of the ones that don't exist that you would feel like they have and then some of the ones that that, that come out that act like one of the one of my favorites i have ever covered i believe it was called ballerAlert.com, and literally all it is is if you let's say you go to the club and one of the mavericks is in the club it's, it's like kind of like the Beyonce song. Ladies, leave your man at home. The club is fun. You can literally get on baller alert. Let all the people on your social media know. 
hey, so-and-so is at the club. Get down here. Well, it's like a celebrity spotting app. Yeah. That is the that is pretty random. I mean, th- but again, doesn't surprise me that it exists. Just kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, because again, it's not like hey, this, 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 the whole vibe is not oh wow. This, 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 let, let's go Mavericks. It's hey, this guy is because because they, they don't do it like if they see just you wouldn't probably see Nolan Ryan at the club. But yeah, they're not doing it for Nolan Ryan. They're doing it because hey, this dude is single or maybe he's not single, but but we know he steps outside the lines. Put on your tightest outfit and get down here. Yeah, that's crazy. And and we can't get a Halloween app. Like, <laughs> like what? I, I, as soon as I heard it, cynical though it may be, I wish I had thought of it. Exactly. Exactly. I ain't even mad. See, and that's the thing. People are making a lot of money with very singular exactly. used apps, which was making me wonder, like, okay, you don't want a thing that's just for Halloween, but can you use it for other stuff? And that's where I started thinking about community projects and yard sales, things like that, that you could also mark in there. That could be pretty cool. Because again, while a lot of people do use Nextdoor, I believe they have like 40 million users or something. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't use all those other functions. And I don't think the app is designed for a lot of that searching type function in there anyway. And except for like your immediate neighborhood, but that's all you're really worried about in Nextdoor. That's what it's designed for, to know about like the 10 blocks around you or whatever. So yeah, in a lot of places, it really has kind of replaced the local newspaper because local newspapers, as we've talked about here, are taking a bath right now. Very yeah. few of them are able to make enough money to function. So that's when the social media is kind of stepping in and it's doing a, things like, hey, you know, dogs lost. <laughs> Somebody's yeah, there's been robberies in such and such neighborhood. Cause again, people still want to know those things. People still need to know those things, but obviously, you know, your local huge paper, you and we're to the point where even the big city do they're, they're major cities that don't have a newspaper. So. Oh, yeah. I've heard seen where, you know, hey, this guy came by knocking on my door. I didn't answer it. But like, I don't know if y'all know who he is or not or whatever. Yeah. You know, somebody's like, oh, yeah, he's with this company. But oh, OK, cool. It's nothing to worry about. Right. So like people can just get their like peace of mind yeah. knowing there's not somebody just casing their house or whatever. You know, exactly. So it does have use. Now, there's also a lot of like. Well, I saw this dumb thing out in somebody's yard the other day. And, you know, then you have to see that all drama go down. And in fairness, that was a lot of letters to the editor. Yeah, I'm sure it was. One of my first jobs in news was I had to sit there and do uh, the tell it to the times. And my God, there there was it was a rare time when there was an actual news tip. Most of it was people that are just completely. Nothing to do at all day to do it. <laughs> so let's call yeah. tell the times. And again, I think that's why a lot of people don't use Nextdoor, at least don't engage with the Nextdoor app, because they're trying to dodge a lot of that. I think there's a lot of people that sign up on it, a lot of people that check in on it, and myself included. Like I said, maybe once a month, or like I said, if I see a stray dog running around, I'll go check and see if somebody lost a dog or something. But I don't engage in hardly anything on there, unless it's one, I think maybe once or twice. I knew the information somebody was looking for and other people didn't. And, you know, I just helped somebody out. But, yeah, it's not a thing I really want to mess with. So, yeah, having an app just for other community stuff would be great. But let's talk about the topics of the week because we have some pretty good ones this time. I realize I said that like we have bad topics the other times. Yeah. (laughs) That just came off really weird. But... Yeah, it wasn't the best segue I've ever had. But in this <laughs> one, this one's actually really cool. There's a guy on Twitter, or X, whatever you still want to call it, 
that goes by Logan A. Dixon 1, the number one. And he decided to take it upon himself to post an Ixalan pronunciation guide, which I thought was really cool of him. Because we haven't really had that, or sometimes we'll get that type of stuff from Wizards, but it's kind of like down the road or at the end of a thing. And I kind of get it because it's not something most people are going to care about, but it's cool for the people that do care about it. So Logan, and I think he said he's, he's you know, got part, well, I'm trying to remember his background because I don't want to get it wrong, but he is, he is part of his makeup relates to this, which is why he felt it was okay for him to post it. I don't, I don't want to misquote which tribe or whatever he, he said he was part of, but he does say he has limited knowledge, so he did the best he can coming up with it. And he's updated it a few times as cards have gotten previewed. And, you know, he could tell which ones people are having trouble pronouncing. pronouncing. And that's actually just really cool as a community product. I think right now his sheet has, or his graphic has 12 things on there. And it's cool because it just at least gives you an idea of how these words or names are pronounced. And you can carry that over to other things. There was also somebody in his thread, and I wish I would have marked it, uh, but you can, if you go to his Twitter profile, like you'll you'll see this thread. It's the easily the one that has the most comments and, and uh, retweets on it. But one of the gentlemen had a YouTube channel, and he was from the indigenous tribes from the area, and I believe it starts with an N, and I would not be able to pronounce it correctly because I tried multiple times. But he did some lessons on pronouncing the words properly, especially because of the TL that appears at the beginning and at the end of several words. Because, and he did say it was acceptable if you're an English speaker, that it comes out almost like a K sound because of the way we speak. But the proper way to pronounce it, the TL sound, which I thought was very interesting, was putting your tongue toward your teeth like you're saying the word they or that and then also pushing out air like you're trying to make an h sound so it almost sounds like a slur which is very interesting and it's very hard to do but i think it's like a lot of languages like if you speak it enough like it starts to become natural for you but between those two things i thought okay cool this gives you like a real good starting point to understand the kind of language and history that this area, these characters, this set was based on. I also saw that Shivam got to do an interview with, I believe, one of the artists that also is from that area that has a bunch of background in it. And they talked about like the influences and everything else. So they did do a good job actually putting work in that people have asked before, right? Like if, you're going to do this type of thing and it's going to be inspired by this thing. Like, can you at least add a little more flavor of the thing you're inspired by? Now, obviously, a lot of it's made up because we have cat warriors and vampires, <laughs> and, you know, like, so there's still that. But it, it's really cool just to see that that exists, you know, that even in the community, people are taking time to even do a further deep dive on stuff. And some people say, well, I don't know why Wizards didn't do that. It, 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 like... I get that we want the companies to do everything, but they just can't do everything. Like, they're just not, even if they want to, they're just not enough time and enough resources 
for them to do it all and have it all checked properly. Right. Because that's the other problem. Like let wizards put on a pronunciation guide and two things out of 50 be wrong. People are going to rail them for the two things that are wrong. Right. Whereas if you can have somebody in the community that's of that background, produce it, the accuracy is just going to be way higher. And people are generally going to be more accepting of it too, because it's not corporate, right? It came from somebody within and, and it matters more. So I'm, I'm kind of into it. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I thought it was cool just seeing these types of projects kind of spawn from this. Yeah, definitely. A, definitely a cool thing. Like you said, it was, it's, I mean, you want people to be passionate enough to where they kind of take on their own or create their own stuff, basically. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, right? Like if you've done the thing right of what you've created, it will inspire people to do this type of stuff. There, there's some truth to that for sure. And we do, we should at least celebrate that on some level because you could have also done it and everybody went, great, I got some merfolks and vampires. <laughs> right? Like right. And, and that's it. And they didn't really care about all the other work you put in or, again, the stuff that inspired you or whatever. So this is actually pretty cool. What the thing that makes a lot of this positive is that does this mean when we eventually do Kaladesh again? we can get it right this time, right? Because last time there were like some really distasteful kind of inside jokes on a couple of things. And we didn't really deep dive into culture as much as just use it for set dressing for most of it. Yeah. And we decided the hero was going to be Chandra, who we didn't yeah. learn was, <laughs> was of, uh, I guess, uh, wizards indian inspired race until they got called out on it and oh yeah yeah did we not tell you that before no yeah. you never have whereas like sahili was there and like literally yeah. and, there. And that's who you figured would yeah. be the lead character <laughs> which was that's who we all thought was going to be if not the man externally one of the more important and no that's what blew me away is that you had sahili as your new character like First time you've had an, I guess you would call her an Indian-inspired character, right? And she was the face of the set, right? Was on the posters, was on the booster packs, and then was kind of just like a hangers-on in the set, which was very weird. So, like, that just felt all around like a missed opportunity. So, hopefully, and we have seen Sahili come around in some other sets and whatever, so we're hopefully we'll we'll get it right when we do it again. But, you know, this also comes back to, I think the sets just being more evocative of what they're trying to do. And that, it almost feels like that started back with like champion or not champions. Uh, I, I uh, the last Kamigawa we did, right. It's, it sort of feels like that, that like that felt so different that more work went in and even streets of new Capenna, right. We, the only thing we didn't get was like, the justice side of the mob fight thing, right? Cause it really weren't, wasn't the side that was dealing out consequences for the mob families, but everything else. And, I mean, there, there are times in history where that happens with like the, the, the few police <laughs> that are on the scene are getting shouted down or drowned out to where it, there are like prohibition. Who was the oh, thing, yeah. you know? Well, every, every family's got some cops on the take, right? Yeah. But that, I thought that was cool, though, that they spent the extra time to go, okay, let's get the flavor, the art, the look of the buildings, you know, 
And it seems like that just has carried over in every set since then. So maybe we're in the prohibition period in New Capetta where the mafia is just getting W after W. And at some point later when we return, maybe there'll be a Elliot Ness type character introduced that can kind of maybe. get us under control. You're doing a shakedown on Obnix list or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool that somewhere along the way, it almost feels like, I don't know if I would say something changed, but just more attention is being paid to the detail of the sets, which I think is kind of cool. But let's take a jump here and talk about some interesting Mr. Beast drama. Because uh, that's a thing I didn't think we'd be talking about today. So for those of you who don't know, surprisingly, some people don't know who Mr. Beast is still. But he is by far the most popular thing on YouTube right now. I think his views average like 110 million views or something. Yeah. Some gigantic number in the first like five days. But there was another woman who was... Well, okay. Let's give background here because there's a lot to absorb with this story. But a, about a year and a half ago, I think it was... He did a video of a fancy hide-and-seek game. I believe it was in, like, a sporting arena somewhere. One of the stadiums. I can't remember which one. Stadium Stampede, if you Yeah, will. basically. But he got, I think it was, like, 10 or 12 creators, had them run and hide in this arena, and then him and his team of people went to find them. And the last surviving player got some big pile of money that they could donate to their favorite charity or whatever it was. And it was kind of a fun video. It was, you know, him doing what he could with other creators kind of on kind of on the back end of the pandemic, which, which is cool. And I didn't really think anything of it. It was just a fun video, uh, you know, and it had the expected faces you would see. And no surprise there. Well, one of the women who participated, Rosanna Pansino, I think is her last name, P-A-N-S-I-N-O. She posted on socials, I guess it was about a week ago now, that she was upset at Mr. Beast for editing her incorrectly in the videos and making her look worse than she was. And I was like, whoa, what is this about? Right? Because my first thought was there's a new video out. They did something to the creators. And so I'm like, okay, well, now we're mad about a thing that's over a year old. So I don't, I don't really understand that. But also found out that like it wasn't like she won and then he gave the win to somebody else. She finished like third. And I guess in the video, it looks like she finished either fourth or fifth. And I was like, okay, like that's a difference of, I don't know. What is that? A minute and a half's worth of time or something in the video, two minutes. Like, so, eh, all right, you're in the video. Maybe if he edits the other way for another two, we'll even call it three minutes, maybe, right? Because something interesting happens or whatever. That doesn't change anything. Like, she has a huge social media following, if I like over 14 million already. So she's so if, killing it on, on, on a, by her own account on, on YouTube. You know, if you watch game shows, before the game show goes off, there's that little bit at the end that probably nobody pays attention to where it says, you know, parse, portions not affecting the outcome have been edited out. And I feel like this has probably more in common with a game show or a reality TV show than it does any kind of athletic event where, yeah, okay, if it was an actual kind of like, let's say, let's say it's a, 
I don't know, a flag football tournament or for or for gaming. Let's say it's an actual gaming tournament. They're playing Apex or League of Legends or whatever. Okay, yeah, if you finished fifth, or especially if it's some kind of tournament and they're seeding, yes, whether you finished fifth or sixth actually matters. And But if it's like, like creator hide and seek, whether you finished fourth or fifth is probably a, a portion. Of, basically, as a game show would say, this is a portion not affecting the outcome. It can be edited out. Yeah, it really doesn't do anything. That that's the and don't get me wrong. I get personally feeling bad because it feels like somebody made you look like worse than you did, right? There there is something to that. So I'm not going to completely dismiss that. But it obviously looking at her YouTube channel hasn't affected her views or anything. Right? She's still as popular as she was. She's still getting hundreds of thousands of views on every video. Like she's still getting guests on her channel. Like, I, I don't, like, I guess my thing was, for me to raise a stink, especially knowing the way the internet works and all the negativity that's going to come with it or whatever, I would have to feel truly that it wronged me greatly in some way, whether it's financially, socially, you know, like I'm saying, like it affected your, your popularity, ability to get interviews, whatever, right? But it doesn't seem to affect it anything. So I was really surprised to see this pop up. And she yeah. has since said that she actually probably should have addressed this, you know, like privately. Now, what sucks about that is she received a bunch of death threats. That's just. Yeah, that's always terrible. Stupid. Yeah, that nobody should be doing that. Now, I will say there was part of it that she shared some text messages between her and Mr. Beast where. She was wanting to put stuff in text, and he's like, hey, let me call you so we can talk about this. And she's like, "He." and at one point, I think he says, okay, well, let me at least talk to my editors and review what even happened here, and then I can get back to you or whatever. And then it sounds like she wants to come back and finish it via text, which I get because people want to have stuff in writing and yeah. you know all that. And I, I do get that. I also understand his part of knowing how the internet works when you're Mr. Beast anything's going to be taken out of context, right? So you're going to have, everything has to be exactly worded. And who knows? Probably, probably has to talk to his lawyer or whatever. You know, that's probably a whole thing. So that was all very weird too. So that came out. There was a lot of speculation and it just got out of hand really quickly. But you're also talking about two people. Now, admittedly, Mr. Beast's social following is gigantic compared to everybody. But hers is also very big, right? So you have two very large personalities with two very large communities just taking sides and going nuts on social media. And it's like, at the end of the day, nobody was even impacted really by the thing that happened. Like, at most, really, at the end result, I don't even know what it was going to be other than him going like, hey, you're right. I get where you're coming from. We probably should have just shown you finishing third. And then we all going on about our day. You know what I mean? Like, it could have just been an apology saying like, hey, we thought this made for a better story or a better finish. And since you didn't win anyway, but I get where you're coming from. We should have just left you in at third place. That could have been it. Because at the end of the day, nothing's changed. It's not like she's going to win money from him or sue him or anything. It was just a social media argument. <laughs> like, that's the weird part to me. Because I, because even doing that, I was thinking like, what's the outcome that you're expecting here? Because, I mean, it's over a year old. It's not like you're remaking the video. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, what even comes of that at that point? Hell, honestly, 
It could even be argued just her being invited to, and I'm not, I'm not saying she, again that she's wrong for feeling how she feels, but it might have even just benefited her by even being in the video, because that got exponentially more views than anything any of the other creators were doing at the time. So more people might even found her because she was in it. So yeah, so I don't know. It was, it just felt weird to see that type of stuff pop up, but. Also, you know, Mr. B's problems. Like, he, he's living in another stratosphere. And anything that's not 100% correct, somebody's going to come at you for it. And it sounds like, I guess, the issue has been resolved now. So, Yeah, it definitely has. It, it was just a weird... And, it, and it's a good example, I think, though, of how you have to watch everything you do the higher up that ladder you go. Because every single thing is going to be nitpicked. And whether you're right or wrong, everybody's going to come for you. Right? I mean, hell, there's people still taking shots at Taylor Swift and her concert when she's given all this extra money to her truck drivers and to her stagehands. And every city she stops in, I think she donates like a some big old number. I want to say like $100,000 to the local food banks and stuff. And people are so like, oh, when her shows come to town, traffic's so bad. And like, I don't know why people are showing. Like, you can't win. You know what I mean? Like you just you're just not gonna win with the higher you go up that level, somebody's gonna want to take shots at you. I've always said one of the problems we have with celebrity is we like people, we want to see them do well, we build them up, and then immediately when they're at the top, we're ready to tear them down. And that's never made sense to me. Like instead of just being happy for people of just like, man, I remember when they were only this big, or I remember when I met them at this thing, that's cool. Seeing them finally get paid and be able to do all this cool stuff. It's like, oh, well, now they're a sellout. Like, now it's all about the money. Now it's what it was like, what did you want them to do, though? Like, not well, they, they, they wanted to keep entertaining us for free is what they wanted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've said it before. I am up front with my audience. Like, I am definitely looking to make more money. <laughs> like, I would love to get paid more for the extra effort I'm putting in to eventually so figure out how to establish some kind of barter system where, hey, we, we can take these views and just directly hand them over and get food. Yeah, we all are trying to figure out how to make money. Yeah. I mean, you know, eventually I want to hire an editor. Like, I can't do that without finding extra money somewhere. You know, like, it's it's wild how people treat that. But. Yeah, just an interesting bit of drama. Like you said, it's, it has been resolved, but wow, you know, people elevating to uh, death threats is just stupid. Very stupid. That should never, ever happen. Yeah, people just... Well, we're talking about the, the internet, with the things people will do when they don't have to look you in the eye. Yep. But let's talk about some uh, kind of chat GPT stuff. So a magic player this week who goes by Zachary Keeney, you may know that name as he has done well in some tournaments in the recent past at the top level. He had put together a project to make an MTG GPT. So basically a language model system so you can go in and get information about the magic community or the game or whatever. And it's very interesting but it does show why you have to be careful about the information you get from these various GTP programs. Because there's different versions of GPT out there being used for a variety of things. And while they can be good resources, 
the information isn't necessarily checked coming out of it. And I've seen that before where people have used it because they've made a script to tell people about an iPhone, but the specs weren't accurate. You know, I've seen it where I've, I did a video saying the word chat GPT doesn't know about magic. You know, even for information that was 10 years old, it didn't get correct. Now, you wouldn't know that if you just went in and just like typed a thing and it gave you an answer. And you're like, cool, I'm going to use this as my bullet point for a video or whatever. And then you're going to get railed because your information's bad. I asked it for Madden video ideas and it told me you should interview NFL players. Well, oh, is that the problem? I'll just get Dak Prescott on the phone right now. I would be asking you for advice if I could just get Dak Prescott on the phone and play Madden with Like, you just have access to those guys. Just dial somebody up. Yeah. But, yeah, so that that stuff is tough, right? Because the other issue I've had with these programs is that not so much for gaming. Because, like, we can get some information wrong. That might cost somebody a couple bucks here or there. But these people that are trying to make these faceless, voiceless even, because they're using uh, AI voices to, to make... TikTok content or YouTube shorts or whatever, even full YouTube videos, they're making scripts using chat GPT or various GPT programs. And the problem there is when they're doing stuff for like self-help, for mental problems, for medication or medical stuff, and that information is not accurate, somebody's going to be following that. And that's going to lead somebody down a very bad road, possibly even to do permanent damage to themselves. Like, that's my real concern with this stuff. Now, that being said, stuff not being accurate in a magic GGP is not GPT. I said that backwards. Like, it's actually not that big of a problem. It's amusing, if nothing else. You know, so using myself as an example, I put in who is Power Dragon? It says, I am Power Dragon, an AI language model. I'm like, well, this is already wrong. (laughs) Or or maybe it's not. Maybe the robot is trying to tell you it means to replace you, Decon. Maybe that's it. That's that's a Freudian slip right there. It gave up the secret. No. So then I put in, who is Daquan Watson? It said, also known as Power Dragon. Correct. A professional Magic Gathering player and streamer. Eh, Halfway. He gains recognition for his achievements in the Magic Online Championship Series. Absolutely not correct. I've never played one of those tournaments. Where he has multiple top eight finishes, which also not possible because I haven't played those tournaments. Daquan is known for his expertise in limited formats. Also not true because I do pretty much all constructed content. <laughs> and his education, uh, educational content on his Twitch stream and YouTube channel. Eh, fair enough. He often competes in high-level tournaments. Also not correct. I think I've done that once in any of my videos on my channel. But and that she, technically makes if you've done it once, that technically is correct. I mean, go by the often competes. Like that is not true. And shares his insights and strategies in the magic community. That part I'll give it. So I don't know. If I take each one of those statements, it's like 30% correct. <laughs> Which is amusing because if nobody knew me and they're like, oh, I've heard about it. let's go see who Daquan is or whatever. And you're like, oh, this guy sounds awesome. Like, he's a top-level player, and I should send him a message for limited content. I'm like, nope, you would be in the wrong field completely. And then I was thinking about, okay, well, maybe it doesn't know so much about the people in the community. Though I did see some people post, and it got varying degrees of correct and not correct. Some people got absolutely right, and then others, it would get, like, half right and confuse them with somebody else or have it would say some really nice things about them that just weren't uh, accurate. Yeah. But then 
I was like, okay, well, let's see. Can you build a commander deck for me based around Hamza, Guardian of Arishin? And it was like, yeah, certainly. Here's a deck list. And then you go down the list and you're like, okay, I mean, I guess these cards kind of sort of work, but they don't really. It's basically a bunch of cards that reference counters or plus one plus ones, but they don't necessarily all work well together. <laughs> right? So it's like, uh, I can see where you're going, but then there's stuff like Prime Speaker Zagana that actually involves blue, I'm pretty sure, that this is a green-white commander. So stuff like that isn't like Ristic Studies is in the list. It's also a blue card. Counterspell, a blue card. So like you couldn't even cast those cards with that commander. So even using it for that purpose, it doesn't know that stuff yet. So you have, you're going to have to be like extra specific on like looking for these cards, only these colors, you know, this many maybe lands or non-land cards or whatever, and then let it put a list together for you. I think it is capable, but you have to be way more specific than I think a lot of people would know going in to use it. Now, I don't say all this to discredit any of the work that Zach has done, because this is a first iteration of a thing, right? We know there's going to be problems in tech stuff when it's the first time, right? So don't go blowing up his work because, I mean, he's held even to put this together is more than I could do. <laughs> like, let's be real. You and me both. So I'm not going to sit here and just poo poo all his work. Just as an example of like these GPT programs are not the end all be all, right? You still have to do your extra research and follow up. Now, they're good for getting a general idea of a script or, you know, bullet points for a presentation or whatever. And then as long as you're just following up on the facts to even do a quick Google search, go to a specific site to look up stuff just to make sure it's accurate, you'll probably be okay. I think the people that are trying to procrastinate and then like, oh, I'm going to use this and get my stuff together. Like, hell, there's probably people that have failed some college courses because of some GPT stuff, I bet, already. Right? That's probably a thing. But I think it's cool that it exists, though. And I don't know how much he plans to work on it or if this is like a work project or a personal project or whatever, but could be kind of neat if this becomes an actual resource that gets fleshed out and whatever resources it's pulling its information gets cleaner. Like, this could be very cool if you are trying to shorthand at least ideas for a deck list, right? Because you could at least go, hey, think about building this commander, commander with these types of cards with this goal in mind in these colors. And it might bring up cards you just hadn't even considered before. Even if you don't want that exact deck, it could be a cool starting point, which is more than what a lot of people have right now. So there, there could be some uses for something like this, which is pretty neat. I don't Now, I don't know your experience with any of the GPT programs, if you tried any of them, but that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, and again, because it's a machine, it's going to learn more... Learn more as it gets more exposure to you know humans and to just like trying to explain the, the the magic tournament. It's like yeah, it's I've I mean I've read you know when actual newspapers try to cover magic, it's coming from outside. Then trying to you know let's say five thousand words or less explain to anybody what magic is is a handful. So yeah, I can imagine a a machine having a hard time learning how to do it. Yeah, that's a good point too. Like it's not an expert in the field right until now this could eventually be the go go to magic gpt program right if he keeps working on it which could be cool 
you know, that different. And then all, every other company is working on their own program too. So we, for all we know, chat GPT is like, ask Jeeves and three or four years from now, it won't even be a thing anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know even working with vidIQ for like YouTube stuff, they have their own things that are going deep. They're working on all kinds of things for YouTube video production and it's, it's all in house. They have experts working on it. So pretty much every field is going to have some version of this. Now, I don't know if we get to a world where it becomes so common that every game eventually has their own or whatever. I mean, it's possible once the languages and the coding become so common. Hell, to be honest, you might even be able to use a previous GPT program to make the code for the next one you want to make, honestly. Yeah. that We could hit that world very quickly. So, yeah, it's an interesting, cool idea, though. I, yeah, I think, that's when the robot wars start. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's neat that it exists. I don't know what all the uses or functions are of it, but uh, yeah, just a cool thing if y'all didn't know it was out there. But that being said, that brings us to the dinner table. And I didn't have like a super heavy topic this week, but fired. with Halloween just passing, I figured it would be fun to just talk about kind of how we each view it and how we feel about like horror movies and stuff. Just kind of like, the season around Halloween. Cause I don't think we've ever talked about that on the show. Cause I don't remember that. Like which and, at our age doesn't mean we hadn't talked about it. It just means we don't remember it. But we neither one of us remembers <laughs> go, going too deep on it at any rate. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me start with like horror movies. Like that's a category of movie. I don't like for me they don't do much. Right, mostly. I, I remember having had this conversation. Yeah, yeah, that it, part it could have been talked about. <laughs> yeah, but I get why they exist. Right, people like having that adrenaline rush of being scared or whatever. I tend to like movies that are more creepy than gory. I guess would be the difference. Like Skeleton Key, I thought was a very cool movie. Yeah, like though it kind of dove into the whole Louisiana voodoo, whatever, but in a very subtle way that it was like kind of playing through the whole movie, but it wasn't like heavy handed and has a very cool reveal at the end. And like, that's pretty sweet. I had fun just yesterday. We watched the, uh, the haunted mansion remake really kind of campy and silly. Yeah. It actually was fun though. Like, I I don't think I've ever seen the original haunted mansion all the way through the one with Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah. Was that right? There was Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I think he was in the first one. The no, second one had uh, who was in it? Uh, man, the the woman, the lead, she's really famous too. Uh, I did actually randomly have Danny DeVito in that one, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, you can't go too far wrong with Danny DeVito. Yeah. Oh, and he for his segments, he carried, he played the character for real. He, I mean, he always does. Yeah. So it was fun. I mean, there was a lot of surprise. Oh, Owen Wilson's in it, which I didn't expect. He was in that one. So, yeah, just some fun things, because I didn't know much about it other than the premise and, you know, a couple of previews I'd seen a couple of years ago when it came out. Rosario Dawson, I think, is who you were. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. She's the one. And everybody was great in that movie. It was it was it was a good enough plot to carry you through it. Still felt creepy enough that you could be like, okay, this is a fun Halloween movie. And good Lord, everybody's in this movie now. Yeah. Cast Dan DeVito, Tiffany Haddish, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. The lead guy, he was in also, I think like get out 
and yeah. something else recently. Jared Leto is. I mean, they. Yeah, they had a bunch of big names. They went for it. Hassan Minaj was in it, or was he? I well, don't know. Did, did he make that up? He was <laughs> for like, I think one scene, literally. Okay. I, I think he's in there for maybe. I don't even know if it was a full five minutes of the movie. Like, it's a very small bit role. Yeah, there's a there. lot of people in this movie. Yeah, a lot of people made some cameo spots that you, okay. you just see out and about. But yeah, that was a fun one. You know, so that stuff to me was entertaining because I think for me, it's just like, I, I get having to suspend disbelief for some of it to happen. But like some of it, I'm just like, yeah, okay, it's a bunch of people got murdered there. Why do I want to go hang out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's... Bruh, what's, have you not seen America's obsession with true crime? Yeah, people would be hanging out. Dude, I know. I know. I have real friends that have been like, hey, I heard this place is haunted and all these people died. We should go there. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Because really, only two things happen. Either one, nothing happens and I wasted a whole evening. Or two, something that doesn't want me there is either going to get me or try to get me out. <laughs> right, like one, one, either of those scenarios is not great for me. It's just uh, there's the same people, you know. That I guess that like roller coasters, and you know, as we discussed, uh, corn mazes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, true. I ain't a corn maze. Ma- if corn mazes don't register for you, I could see what where uh, horror movies probably wouldn't either. I actually love horror movies even more so in the post scream era when horror movies have kind of started to make fun of their own genre tropes like i mean this year we had the blackening with the tagline we can't all die first so now we're seeing you know uh, just a renaissance and kind of horror comedy which i've always the blackening was great like if you have not seen that it was so self-aware that it like every little bit of it like everything in it was a trope and it was awesome. <laughs> or LL Cool J and Deep Blue Sea talk about how black people never survived. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that movie is so great because I think he hid in the oven at one point in that movie right. to, to survive. I think that's one of the reasons I and so many other people have always loved Scooby-Doo is because when you're a kid, that's kind of like baby's first scare. You know, your parents probably, well, m- most parents, my, my, my mom was that, that exception to where I was sitting on the floor watching Stephen King and I was probably six or seven years old because I just say I grew up in kind of an Adam's Family type See, house. That was Imagine my, that. <laughs> that was like Adam's Family didn't have a problem with it. But I remember watching Pet Cemetery. Yeah. And... The dude, you know, the the old native dude says, like, we, we don't go there. You don't bury anybody there because bad things happen, whatever. Right. And then the dude's like, well, I guess you? I got to go bury my wife there or whatever. Right. And I'm like, no, like, like, it's like the exorcist. The creepy little lady shows up and the native dude shows up and says, like, this is going to be bad. And y'all are like, yeah, we're just going to move in. It'd be cool. Like, Bro, her, like Herman no. Mustard untold you. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't do it. I'm like. Even as a kid, I'm thinking, like, they just told you how bad this was going to be. Like, why are you going to Speaking go of it? horror comedies, you know, Fred Gwynn, the, the late, great Herman Munster. Yeah. And a criminally yeah. underrated actor also. For sure. For sure. But I will say this, though. I do enjoy everything around Halloween. Like, the, the extra decorations, the fall leaves, seeing all the quirky costumes. Like, this year, I felt like I saw so many uniquely interesting costumes. Like, I watched a... Yeah. Uh, speaker panel it was almost like a ted talk from a guy who he's an amputee he only has one leg and he was showing all the costumes that he's done over the years and dude he did one where he was a flamingo 
So he oh, would wow. like he would stand on the crane, uh, like on his on his uh, crutches, like legs, and then he would use his actual leg as the the face of the, <laughs> the wow. flamingo, which was awesome. Uh, I, I love that he has that good a sense of humor oh, about dude. being an amputee. That is that that is awesome. I saw a video just last night from a guy who showed up to a, a Halloween party dressing like this really nice suit, carrying a briefcase, whatever. And they asked him who he was. And he says, oh, I'm Bruce Wayne. And they're like, oh, like Batman. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And he's nice. like, no. He's like, you just said you were Bruce Wayne. He's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, like Batman. He's like, I, I don't know Batman. Right? So the dude's like full on, like, cosplaying yeah. Bruce Wayne. That's right? absolutely what Bruce Wayne would say. You know. Now, the best part of it, though, is nobody knew what was in his briefcase all night. And then at some point, they just didn't see him anymore. But after midnight, Batman showed up. That is epic. And it's the, obviously the same dude, but he's doing yeah. like a growly Batman voice and just not acknowledging Bruce Wayne at all, which is hilarious. That is awesome. And I'm just like, you know what? That's why I like Halloween. Yeah. For people just having fun, right? It's like, because we've talked about it before. I think there's a lot going on for a lot of people. Yep. And we all end up taking a lot of things a bit too seriously. You know, and I often tell people, when I hear people talk about, man, I wish I could go back to being a kid or back to high school yeah. or back to this. And I'm like, I don't because I get to enjoy myself as an adult. You know, I go eat, you know, pop tarts and ice cream at one in the morning. You know, like, like simple things that just let me enjoy life. And in fairness, you know, not everybody gets to, to play games. For, no, no, for their I jobs, totally understand. So. But even when I was working the corporate jobs and stuff, like you still have to find time to do things that unfortunately we have just deemed as childish. So people just you mean, won't do them. You know, your corporate job was making magic cards still way more fun than what most people do. Yeah. I'm not saying my jobs haven't been fun. But I'm saying even in your personal life, you'll talk to people when they get home and they're like, oh, I can't go do that. Or I won't make that to eat or I won't do it. Like, why not? Like, enjoy yourself a little bit. But it feels like when we get to diabetes, bro. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I already eat a dude. Literally, I'm looking at a tin full of gummy candies over here that I got at like the local spot. So I know how I'm going out. But I think at Halloween, people allow themselves to kind of indulge in that a little bit that they won't the rest of the time like people will go out they'll be talking for weeks about i'm gonna do this costume i'm gonna make this thing i'm gonna get this wig they're practicing their makeup so it's right you know like oh definitely and it's fun to see people just let loose and enjoy that and that's the best part of halloween for me you know like i enjoy some silly movies from time to time and you know like oh i'll watch them whatever i know i'm gonna join as much as everybody else but i'm i'm into it whatever it's part of the season but for me, it's about seeing people just really let loose and indulge and have fun, you know, oh, because definitely. I don't think we do that enough in society as a whole. Speaking of, I don't know if you saw Mark Rober. For those you don't know, he's an ex-NASA scientist, which is great, or NASA engineer, I should say. And he does YouTube videos, a bunch of crazy stuff. But he did a video. If you go to his latest video on his channel, they set up all these crazy contraptions to get back at people who were taking extra candy out of candy bowls on, on people's porches, which is just so great, like way extra for no reason, but you know, teaches people a lesson because I, cause honestly I saw a video today and it kind of upset me 
that some people are just like, hey, they put the candy out, please take one, you know, whatever, because they just can't be there, you know, can't get back and forth to the door easily or whatever. There was one with three moms taking their kids trick-or-treating, and the moms are participating and just like emptying out the bowl. And I'm like, bro, what are you teaching your kids? And what's the point? Like, most parents don't want their kids to have excess candy from Halloween. Like, what's even happening? So, yeah, that that stuff. Just like, man, you're just ruining a fun thing for people. Like, don't take advantage. Just enjoy it. Be part of the festivities. Get your candy. Move on. Especially if you're going to house to house. Because, hell, I remember being a kid and having candy stowed away for, like, hell, I had candy stowed away so long some of it went bad. <laughs> you know, because wow. we'd have two full bags of, of Halloween candy because you trick-or-treated for like four hours or whatever. I wonder, like, how long does it take for American processed candy to go bad? I, just, I, would, I wouldn't even know. I don't know. I just know I bit into a Tootsie Roll and it was stiff and I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> how would you distinguish a stiff Tootsie Roll from, because uh, that, that's, that's kind of candy I can't eat anymore because like it'll pull a tooth out. <laughs> Some that, of them do. <laughs> yeah. I just had to say goodbye to Tootsie Rolls, Twizzlers, anything super sticky like that. Mm, I'm trying to think what's the most thing. Maybe Starburst might be the closest thing I still eat like that. But I kind of, I, I don't know, I guess I suck on them more than chew them even. So I guess it doesn't really bother me as much. But yeah, I think regarding the, the dentist, that's worse for your teeth because you're just bathing them in sugar. Oh, true. That's true. But I also balance it out by chewing a fair amount of gum, which apparently helps. So okay. I don't know. But yeah, maybe my takeaway is maybe we should have the Halloween spirit more throughout the year. You know, just enjoy some little things. Have fun doing something silly. You know, if you want to just make a pillow fort in your bedroom and enjoy a movie, <laughs> go for it. Why not? Like, you're a grown up. Like, just take the sheets off your bed, build a tent, have fun. Like, nobody's My wife is you. not letting me put any of our good linens on the floor. <laughs> well, you have a use for those other ones. You only break out every once in a while, right? Oh, man. All right. Why don't we tell everybody they can find us on social media, Brian? All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter slash X, whatever, and Instagram. You can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N, on your favorite social platforms. And man, so many things still coming down the pipe. I hope y'all had a fun Halloween. As always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 